Welcome to the Geek This Podcast. I am sitting in for David Clements and David Hunt. My name is Mikey Fissel. Uh, with me today are two people who regularly join me on the Real World Theology Podcast, uh, Mark Wingerter and Laura Fissel. Hello, hello. Hi. I just want to say a big thank you to uh, David Clements and David Hunt for allowing us to take over their show to some degree. We are I'm going to try to do our best to fill their uh, exceptionally large shoes uh, that I'm assuming I've actually never got to meet these guys on purpose, so I'm assuming they have huge feet. How dare you <laughs> assume. That's right. But I, I want to um, say a congratulations to David Clements because I'm not exactly sure when this show will air, but the reason that we had this opportunity is because he just uh, became the father of a new daughter on February 28th. Oh, That's okay. what the Facebooks tell me. I haven't had a chance to talk to him yet. I'm sure he's very busy at the hospital. I'm sure. So big congratulations to David Clements on that. And we're going to, like I said, try to do our best in the meantime. So he gave us free reign, Uh-oh. foolishly, Uh-oh. to do whatever we wanted to. <laughs> As long it was, as long as it was geeky. You're never getting this podcast back. That's right. <laughs> so, um, what we have decided on as a group, I've I've actually not only picked these particular guests because they are regular contributors to real world theology, but because we are all what we would define ourselves as Anglophiles. Um, which is, you know, people who subscribe to. Well, I wouldn't even say subscribe. We just happen to be. Uh, part of a phenomenon of Anglophilia. Yes. Uh, so, Anglophilia, for those who are not in the know, is... In the dictionary. Yeah, is defined. <laughs> this is like... Webster this, defines this as... Exactly. This is this is a graduation speech right yes, now. Yes, uh, yeah. Webster... Actually, I think dictionary.com defines this. It's still, I think it's still Webster. <laughs> is it Webster? Whatever. Okay, so defines this as um, a bad start to a speech. Um, unusual admiration or partiality for England, English ways, or things English. So I think that does describe us pretty well. We're probably not the largest um, in size or in uh, devotion uh, right. ang- Anglophiles, but like I said, I think we've carved out a nice little section. We have. We have... I have my English breakfast tea. We are all drinking tea, or were at one point before we talked about the podcast. Well, or... I was drinking coffee, but I was drinking it in a Doctor Who mug. Okay. I was drinking coffee, too, but I was doing it in a very British way. <laughs> Super British. Can you describe it like, with an English accent? My like? pinky was out. I don't uh... <laughs> So you were being very dapper. I was dapper. Um, and, actually, and Laura's water bottle, even though not a sanctioned... TARDIS or Doctor Who accessory. You did point out that it looked like a TARDIS. It kind of looks like a TARDIS. Looks like a TARDIS. Maybe we'll put the picture up in the show notes. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So important. <laughs> so important. So on, on this episode, we're going to hopefully give you an introduction to Anglophilia, which actually sounds a lot dirtier than it probably really is. <laughs> um, but I think there's a lot of people out there who can really relate to us with the uh, with the explosion of kind of British. Well, there's the BBC America. In and of itself, sure, yeah. you know, it's Doctor Who is becoming popular. Sherlock, you have a lot of shows that are finally making it over here, and it's just giving people more and more reason to kind of find our Tory roots for the history majors sure, out there. Yeah. So, <laughs> what we're going to do that up too, didn't you? No, I'm a history major, <laughs> or at least I was before I went and got a degree that actually gave me a job. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of history majors. Sure. You should be history majors, but you should probably have an idea of what you want to do with that history major before you. You know, get that exactly. degree, yes. and or your mom's going to be okay. 
<laughs> we paid for what? <laughs> and I was like, I met a really nice girl. <laughs> She's like, as a history major? <laughs> yeah, I didn't go to lot. I didn't go to class a lot. So, um, anyway, so what we're hoping to do on this show is kind of give anyone who doesn't know an introduction to that. Mm-hmm. And for those who already may not know or have a word for what they are, right. you may now realize that you are also Anglophiles. So we're probably just going to go around in a discussion. We're not probably going to do it. We are going to do it. We're going to go around and just kind of list some of our favorite things Oh yeah, about British culture, England, mm-hmm. and things like that. And you'll all be privy to that. That's right. So good for you. Privy sounds like an English word. It does. Yeah. It actually is an English word. It, okay. <laughs> it's, it, are we speaking English here? Or are we speaking English English? That's the question. <laughs> no, privy is a toilet. I get that. Yes, okay, I you get know. it? Yes. So I know for those of you who are not toilet to this information. We could use loo. Lou. Yeah, that's a very British word. Oh, actually, is privy an English word? I just assumed it was an English word. We'll pretend. It I mean, is. not like an English word, but like a British word. <laughs> wow, show. this is going to happen a lot. <laughs> well, we have a peanut gallery in the back. Um, says buddy, says the privy who, is a English word. He, who is poking his head out of the privy to tell us <laughs> that privy <laughs> is an English word? <laughs> I shall speak the king's English. <laughs> yep. And I'll have to edit that out later. <laughs> so, awesome. um, so like I said, we as Americans, we are starting to import more and more British entertainment uh, culture. I mean, you you can't really go in public many many places, especially geek related places, mm-hmm. and not see like a Doctor Who shirt, right? At least or Harry Potter or mm-hmm. guy, Harry Potter, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I guess Harry people Potter who are is extremely British. It's extremely British. Okay, it's one hundred percent. So, <laughs> I want to start with uh, either of you two first, and actually, technically, ladies first. Now that I think about uh, okay. it, okay. Mm-hmm. And my wife is a lady. That's right. Uh, isn't there like a you're a madam? No, you're not a madam. Is there a better British way to say oh this? Oh my gosh! I think you're just proving that you're really not <laughs> Anglophilic. <laughs> no, I am. I am. I promise. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> Um, okay, so what is uh, we all, we all, it actually lends itself to one of my points? But I'll, yeah, I'll okay. Yeah. Well, I, and and I I gave a, I gave everyone a task to kind of come up with like four or five things that we really love about British culture um, that would kind of in some way to different levels of you know degree make us Anglophiles. So Laura, why don't you start us off? What's one of the best things you love about British culture? Uh, I think. Well, first of all, I was under the impression that we were talking specifically about British television. That works. So most of mine have to do with British television. Well, you know, technically we get most of our British culture from the TV. Or yeah. all. <laughs> or maybe, all. Sure. Maybe all. I could go there, but why would I want to do that? <laughs> I have TV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as, as an admirer of all things British, I... Um, I'm afraid somebody who's actually British might listen to this and be rolling their eyes <laughs> or really offended. Well, that's kind of the Anglophilia way, isn't it? I mean, we're Americans and we enjoy British culture and it makes, I'm sure it makes most actual people who live there go, oh. Well, and I want to I wish I could. Stupid people. I wish I could really say that that was both ways. But, like, almost every British person can come over and do, like, a, an American yeah. accent for oh, the yeah. most part. They're just like, oh, we just talk real slow and it sounds American. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh. Oh, who was it? Oh, man, I heard an interview with somebody. Um, man, I'm not going to remember who it was. But they said that the advice that they were given about having an American accent was talk really slow 
and like you're really knowledgeable, like you know everything. (laughs) (laughs) Like you're just super confident and it worked. So that's the most embarrassing thing. The the British can easily imitate Mm -hmm. us. Sure. And we have no, no, we have no hope. That's one of my points, actually. Okay, so that's part of my points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna go. Maybe I'll just go with humor or use of language. Um, I feel like it tends to be a little bit more clever than humor that I'm used to over here. It tends Mm -hmm. to rely less on shock factor and more on. Just the use of language, nuances of language, puns, that kind of stuff. Super dry. Mm -hmm. Super dry. I love dry humor, so the Brits are the best. Mm -hmm. And it makes you think. I mean, you have to be a participant. Um, We have to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just, yeah. It's not slight gags all the time. Which also lends itself to being able to watch something again and again and get something new out of it every time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's because we're probably American, a little bit slow, and we didn't catch it all the first time they said it really fast. <laughs> we and don't all realize that like, it's actually very dirty, yeah. what they're saying. We're like, oh, that's so clean, that's so clever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you know, what the, it, this specific point really struck me uh, last year, because of, well, not exactly the same time, but in the general uh, season, I think it was summer, at the beginning of summer, you had an American movie come out called This Is The End. Yeah. And, you know, Seth Rogen, James Franco, kind of that, that group of guys who make comedies now. And it was very American comedy. Yeah. Even though Emily uh, Emily Watson was in it. Mm. Emma Watson. Oh, my gosh. Emma Watson. Emma Watson. <laughs> that was my bad. I think we're further so proving ashamed. that we're not an English <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, so even though it had Emma Watson in it, it was very, uh, like, the fact that she was in it was a joke in and of itself. Um, so it was very American, very sight gag, very, I would say, crude um, you know, lots of, uh, like shock value language kind of jokes. Yeah. Super dirty. Um, yeah, it was super dirty. And I would say it was almost, it, it wasn't like slapstick, but I would say it was very juvenile. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weed humor, you know, pothead humor. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's their, that's their brand of humor. Yeah, and, the and super bad, the Pineapple Express guys. Exactly. You know, that's their brand of humor. And, and, and it worked. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I watched it. I was like, oh, this is pretty funny. You know, mm-hmm. there were some parts that I thought were just a little, little too much. Right. But, um, I compared that to another end of the world movie. Yeah. Um, the world's, the world's end, end yeah. you know, by you know Nick, uh, you know, with Nick Frost, Simon Pegg, Simon Pegg yeah. um, Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright, uh, the Edgar Wright's third movie in his uh, Cornetto trilogy, um, <laughs> and that movie, I mean, there weren't really, it wasn't really, I wouldn't really consider it juvenile humor, even though it was like about a very immature set of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was clever. It wasn't excessively dirty. Um, I could watch it lots of times and realize that I missed stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just a very different film. Same general subject matter, same general themes that you have to deal with. Right. But just two completely opposite films. And even though, I, to some degree, I enjoyed This Is The End, I really, really enjoyed uh, The World's End. I just thought it was, it had me like snickering, like there were things that I'm still laughing at. Well, I, I think it kind of goes back to one of my points was like, you know, talking about the humor, talking about the entertainment culture. It's all, they take it so... Uh, serious, even if it's humor, even if it's sci-fi, they take it very seriously, and they've always taken their 
acting very seriously, the mm-hmm. theater very seriously, their humor very seriously. So it's all smart, clever, well-written, you know, because they want to take the time to do that versus, I mean, and this is, you know, we're kind of taking broad strokes here, but part of American culture is just like, get the product out the door, mm-hmm. you know, and, I, and I'm sure there's some of that in British culture, there's a ton of that in our culture, and there's, you know, vice versa, we have some smart stuff in our culture, mm-hmm. certainly, but they do that a lot more, and it, it kind of seems that way, at least what we get over here, a lot of that's very smart, very well written, very well acted, I mean, they, they take things... Uh, with a lot of pride and and that's really enjoyable on every level because you know it, it's nuanced and i mean that's just that's that's why you like that culture because that's that's always been a part of their culture well that's the thing i feel like anyone can give me an example of something that's popular in america mm-hmm. and i'm like well there's this british show that's pretty close and i think it's better <laughs> yeah i mean like one of the most popular shows on tv right now uh is the big bang theory mm-hmm and even though it's not a, like word for word the same thing, the there's a show called The IT Crown mm-hmm. from the BBC, and it's literally one of the funniest. It's literally one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. Um, and I'm just like, okay, this is a whole. I mean, like they did a D and D episode, Big Bang Theory did a D and D episode, mm-hmm. IT Crowd's D and D episode, hilarious. Yeah, you know, Big Bang Theory is very. It just doesn't really. It's not really clever. Well, it's, you, I mean and, you. Go ahead. Well, I mean, we watched The Big Bang Theory, and I would say that one of the biggest differences to me is um, that there are, that the jokes tend to be very predictable, that you know where they're going, you know mm-hmm. what the punchline's going to be, mm-hmm. you know what they're making fun of because they do it. I mean, and I think this is true of a lot of American humor, you, you make fun of the same things in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the IT crowd, I mean, like, we'll be watching The Big Bang Theory, and Mikey will generally say the punchline of the joke before the actors do mm-hmm. but in the it crowd i mean they're just things that it's hilarious because you're like i cannot believe that they just yeah. <laughs> did that and, and i know i, I don't didn't wanna, expect that and i don't want to say that without saying that there's no merit to like there's nothing good in american right. tv right. there's lots of good in american tv and the big bang theory is obviously popular for well, a lot of reasons we like like laura said we watch it yeah a um, perfect example of that is the office mm-hmm. and you have the british version of the office you have the american version of the office well when the american version of the office started they were just basically adapting the original British show. Mm -hmm. And the humor was very different. It was kind of dark. It was kind of, it was very, very dry. And, you know, and Michael Scott came off as an Mm a-hole, you know, much less than a likable buffoon, which is what he kind of eventually became after season two. Because, you know, The Office, uh, the first season was only like six, seven episodes or something like that. They were trying to basically just see if the British show would work. Mm -hmm. And then people were like, this is not, this is not going to work. And then they kind of developed a better brand of that to kind of continue the show and they put in a love story and they put in you know a whole lot more that was you know obviously more kind of our style in america of humor but the british office is super uh famous and and loved in in britain so Mm -hmm. i mean you just kind of see the differences there that was a very you know perfect example of what you're talking about it's just it's just different strokes for different folks (laughs) well and that's part of the thing too because well, I think there's. There, it seems like there's lots of historic historical things, not just with uh, the British culture, but in British entertainment as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I would be hard pressed to find anyone who truly appreciates comedy 
and doesn't think that Monty Python, Monty Python. is one of the like the, most groundbreaking, yeah. like just hilarious greatest hold, comedy troupe of all time. Yeah, holds I mean, the yeah. test of time. Like you can still go back and watch like almost any Monty Python thing. Oh yeah, and it's not something that was like, oh, this is funny because of who was prime minister at the time, right. or funny because of what was going on in the world at the time. Like this is just hmm. funny. It's just well, and funny. groundbreaking too. Things yeah. that are, have become a part of what other people are doing now. Yeah. Like, any, anyone who doesn't have, like, Monty Python and the Holy Grail in, like, their movie collection, like, I would question that you really enjoy comedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds very snobbish. Yeah. Very British of me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, I mean that, that almost defines, like, how you, with next to no money, mm-hmm. you know, very, mm-hmm. like, the, the, almost nothing in that movie should hold up. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's very, it's just not done very well right. like from a cinematic point of view you know yeah but it's hilarious yeah and, and i feel like the only thing that we really have that's just hilarious not like romantic comedy or kind of sometimes funny teenage movies mm-hmm. like we, we kind of have mel brooks sorta oh yeah but well, yeah i mean i mean see okay that's the thing like american culture does we're not talking about american culture we, we've got our brilliant people we've got our mm-hmm. brilliant writers mm-hmm. we've got our groundbreakers i mean mel brooks is one of the greatest comedians will be for all of time mm-hmm. i mean it's just his movies have his own and they're hilarious and they're they're very american that's our side of things but i mean the the british have have theirs and and i think part of what what we really enjoy about this on a on a, a sub level uh, subconscious level is that we we don't live in British culture, so it's it's all kind of quirky to us. Mm-hmm. And it's all kind of different to us. So that distance is kind of like what helps us really enjoy it in this sort of way. Because like you know, to them they live there every day. I mean they you know they say kind of their slang and their you know they say Lou. We don't say Lou. And we're like oh Lou. And they're just like what? <laughs> it's, it's, funny. it's the bathroom. It's the Lou. You, know? <laughs> you mean. Oh, what's that made of? Aluminium? Yeah. <laughs> aluminium. <laughs> aluminium. You said, it, you said it weird. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's all the... All yeah, but you make it sound like every single British person like walks around and is like the most know. clever human being. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's not what I'm saying. Like, I'm just saying, like, because we get it all from TV, so we, we see all the very, you know, uh, nuanced uh, slang terms that they use over there that we kind of... It's quirky to us, mm-hmm. but, you know, it helps us kind of endear us to that, whereas our culture is just like, oh, yeah, that... That's not funny. Yeah, yeah. That's just American. That's yeah. a good point because I, I think it is easy to tend to say, well, I like this because in America it's this way and I don't like that. Right. Although there is some, there is some merit to that because um, there's a reason why, you know, we are searching for comedy or drama or whatever and coming from a different culture. Um, but I agree with that. Yeah. That right. it's, it's new. It's different. And, um, we don't maybe even really understand the full history of it or what it means. And so um, maybe there's some misinterpretation there, too. Well, and I think that, I mean, that's that's fine. You know, that's our mm-hmm. culture. We live in our culture. They live in theirs. And we once we, you know, experience theirs on in some TV show, you know, it, it, it just kind of, it, it's different for us. It's a different experience for us because we don't, we don't live inside that. And that's, that's what's part, partly endearing, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, well, let's take, let's take the, the comedy aspect and just move that. Cause I know one of mine, what was also like just British humor in general, but we've already kind of hit on the fact that like, but British drama is also. Oh, sure. It, it's mm-hmm. like, it takes it to another, I remember the first time I watched, uh, the series Luther. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've been watching police procedurals forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, after, and I don't want to necessarily spoil Luther, but 
I remember watching an episode of Luther, and after it was over, and there was like the vi- the victim was dead. Yeah, I was like, if we were watching an American show right now, mm-hmm. they would have they would have showed up just in the nick of time. Yeah, they would have saved the person who was in trouble. Yeah, and everyone would have lived happily ever. They would have caught the bad guy. And Luther were like. That's not the way things work. Yeah. You know, you got there too late. Yeah, he did not get there in time. They're the dead. was dead. You know. Now what? Yeah. What, deal with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's even like Luther, the shades come down. <laughs> deal with it. Even Luther himself is not the hero. He's not heroic. He's a yeah. cop that saves right. lives, but he's not a hero. Right. So I, I kind of, it's like, like I said, I feel like there's always a British show that does it better. Now, I want to take that aside because with what? Um, cable t- television has done mm-hmm. over the past, I would say, really three to five years. They're really, I feel like, stepping their game up. I mean, because we got we got oh sure we got Breaking Bad, we got Justified, mm-hmm. we got almost everything on HBO. Yeah, you know, but like this isn't something that you can you can just look at the normal free sh- channels to watch. Oh yeah, I mean, you want the perfect example. It's um, one of the greatest TV shows, literally in my my vote, the greatest one of the greatest TV shows ever made uh, is a British show, and it's Sherlock. Mm-hmm. You know about Sherlock Holmes, but what and would then, I, what would I watch the, that when I can watch the American version, Elementary? Yeah, <laughs> which, which means, is you know, I guess which has its own merits. It's entertaining. I haven't really ever watched it, but I've heard some people who like it, and it's entertaining and all. But it's comparatively horrible. I mean, because Sherlock is just so well done, and they take a lot of pride, and they—I mean, it's just you know, it, it's it's there's a lot of things you could compare. We have some things that are better than over there, but there's not a lot. <laughs> well, but that's and that's the thing. Like I said, I almost always. Just because of saturation, we're here. It's easy. I don't get BBC America, nor do I get um, free access to all of BBC's channels. Mm-hmm, right. Since I do not get that, like I always, almost always see an American show first, and then I'm either told or redirected via message boards or talking to friends or just who you know wherever that mm-hmm. via, that avenue comes. Yeah, I get directed to a British show, mm-hmm. and so I remember like wanting to like the show Heroes. Um, NBC, I believe. Um, well, you watched the whole thing. Well, I, I don't think I maybe maybe I did. I think I skipped season two. Hmm. But so I, I watched most of Heroes, and Heroes was like a great idea that I slugged through just because I wanted something about regular people having superpowers. And mm-hmm. because uh, I thought I thought the premise was great. Yeah. And then I remember being ultimately disappointed in that show. I felt there were times of where it was entertaining. <laughs> and now they're but, bringing it back. And oh, now they're bringing it back, God apparently. But that hopefully they've learned crazy. something. But I remember someone going, oh, you like Heroes? Or you watch Heroes, at least? Mm-hmm. You should go watch Misfits. Misfits, yeah. And I remember watching the first season of Misfits, and my this uh, a British show about some uh, kind of delinquents who end up with superpowers. Not even great superpowers. Mm-hmm. Like, wacky kind of... Um, um, they tend to have something to do with the person's personality. Um, well, demeanor. almost more like their faults or their flaws or their dark, yeah. you know, dark histories or. And these know. aren't, you know, what you would say good. Like they're not good people. They're like juveniles. Mm-hmm. And so you've given some type of super ability, whether it's lame or cool, yeah. to people who have already proven to be someone who makes bad choices. Yeah, and they're in that, you know late teen, early 20 range when everyone knows everything about everything. And so you see what they would actually do, yeah. which is a whole bunch of, you know, not great decisions. Well, even uh, being human uh, was, a, was a good 
good show where it was kind of the same thing. You just had some quirky teenage people who ended up having, they're kind of, it was more like an X-Men type thing, more mm-hmm. like mutants. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also had superpowers and, and there was a, they did an American version of that too, but uh, the British version was really good. Um, I wonder, so I'm thinking about drama and I'm trying not to compare it to American television and just trying to think about like why I like the shows that I like. And I feel like there's like a real depth to some of these shows where it's exploring ideas that are really interesting in an interesting way. And I think that about misfits because I don't know, I think it's almost an exploration of um, like everyone has the power to do good or to do bad. And we don't necessarily think of that as a power. So, so, you know, they're, they almost take it to another level by saying, okay, you have these superpowers Right. Where you can intervene in someone's life in a really um, impactful way. Are you going to choose to do that or choose yeah. to make it selfish? I mean, part of the approach, the reason why I think, like, to dig into the reason why is because a lot of British uh, drama and British entertainment is unafraid. They're not afraid to have stakes. They're not afraid mm-hmm. to kill yeah. characters. They're not afraid. And this isn't like a Game of Thrones type of, you know, George R. R. Martin wrote the books and everything. This is like, you know, Heroes was had no stakes. Had no, they just kind of continued the story and it was, it just got dull and, you know, there was no real stakes. Versus, you know, in BBC shows, especially like Luther, um, there's a lot of stakes. I mean, it, you know, and I think probably on some level that has to do with, you know, uh, you know, I think about heroes, and I think about really flashy, big sets. You know, mm-hmm. uh, lots of commercials. Of, it you looks know, really explosion, good. <laughs> looks great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really shiny and everything. Um, and then there just was no stakes. It, but that's what sells, and that's what gets people to watch the show. So I think mm-hmm. on some level, I, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of that in Britain. But there's on some level, there's not. They're they're not afraid to like mm-hmm. really get you invested in the show and and make some stakes. I mean, yeah, we magically somehow spent this whole episode and not talked a lot about Doctor Who. <laughs> We're trying very hard. <laughs> We're trying. We, haven't, we haven't got to sci-fi yet. I, I mean. know. But, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of drama in there, too. And it, and it, it basically, people die. People yeah. die in Doctor Who. There are consequences. There are super big consequences. And, and they're, it, that's, part of, that's part of the culture. They're not yeah. afraid to do that on the internet. Well, and, it, and when it's not there, I really notice it. Like, if, yeah. if there's a writer on the show who doesn't do that, I feel like there's such a history of the stakes being pretty high that, um, like, there's some debate about the different writers, different showrunners of Doctor Who. And I feel like some of the episodes I don't like about Doctor Who are because they've taken that away. Mm -hmm. That it's like, oh, this huge thing happened and it was really dangerous, but nobody really was in danger, so why do we even care? Mm -hmm. And honestly, um, I loved the latest season of Sherlock, but the end of the last episode, I felt was, I didn't feel good about it. I felt like it was kind of cheap. And it's pretty recent, so we're not going to spoil it. Yeah, I'm not going to... I'm not going to yeah, spoil yeah. it with details, but I felt like there were, that there was real sacrifice, there was real consequence, and then um, they took it right up there to the edge, and then it was like, never mind. Right. right. So, I noticed that, well, because it had so, been... So, you're saying Stephen Moffat's 
who's currently doing show running Sherlock Doctor Who. and show running Doctor Who, he's becoming more American. Oh, no. <laughs> no I don't know, but I will just say well, I think he's a great writer. Yeah, let's and just I say think, that. I think I think that's why the outer lying uh, or the non, or, well, I guess maybe the cable channels uh, on uh, American television are getting more popular is because they're doing shows like Breaking Bad, where it's all about stakes. Mm-hmm. You do something, you make a bad decision, you're probably going to die for it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, HBO. I mean, that's all. Like everybody dies on HBO shows and yeah. you know there's tons of, of stakes and that's why they're getting really popular because I think people really want that they don't want just I mean of course the procedural CSIs and, and the, those are all still really popular but at the same time there's there's this new wave over the past five or six years of television that's really breaking ground and, and becoming as good as film and mm-hmm. people are really getting into it and it's becoming really popular just as popular as the procedural yeah. stuff because it's but, even drawing like real talent like yes. you're seeing these really famous actors who are now in absolutely and mm-hmm. and i think that com- bruce culture's always had that yeah. you know that's <laughs> always kind of been a part of it so at least from what i know about bruce culture and my anglophilia <laughs> well and that's one of the things i wanted to to touch on because I think one of the counter arguments to the there's always something better on British TV mm-hmm. or, or on the BBC uh, or at least done by British people I guess huh? is that oh but look but look and I, like I said over the past couple of years American television be it mostly on cable has really started doing what we think the British have been doing which is a commitment to story mm-hmm. yeah not a commitment to making money yeah but a commitment to telling a story. Mm-hmm. And I think people are starting to realize that if you commit more to story than trying to make money, the one will produce the other. The viewers yeah. will come. Yeah, yeah. which is the, the exact opposite model they're using with The Walking Dead, but we can talk about that another time. <laughs> they, they're like, commitment to story, started making money, now commitment to making money, so there is no story. Yeah. So um, the what, what we have is even with the best stories mm-hmm. that... Um, American television has to offer. I mean, you're talking about like almost everything on HBO. Some, all of my favorite shows, well, not all of them, but lots of the best shows that have ever come on American television. Because I don't want to forget like The Wire. Oh sure, you know oh, I, there's tons I, of really great American shows. Yeah, and, and you know uh, Homeland up until mm-hmm. this last season. Yeah, I mean the thing about this is that. They all have British actors. <laughs> so even your best American shows went and got British was, people who are characters. I was just thinking that about um, Game of Thrones. I was like, is that an American show or a British show? It's, it's an American show with all British all, it's, actors. It's yeah. all British or, or European actors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, mostly. So. I mean, like, do you realize that, like, even our serious actors go over there to be taken more seriously? Like, <laughs> Kevin Spacey? Probably easily top ten, one of the greatest American actors. I mean, House of Cards, mm-hmm. he's, I mean, he's never been better. He's at the top of his game. He runs the Old Vic Theater. He's the arts <laughs> director at the Old Vic Theater in London. In London, because we don't have anything like that here. He goes over there to, like, do plays and run their arts in direction and everything like that, too. I get, not, not to be taken more seriously, but, you know, yeah. they have a more serious, more fundamentally uh, just established acting theater kind of mm-hmm. realm over there. I mean, it, it, and that's... Go ahead. Well, that, that's something I was kind of wondering. I, when I think about British actors, my um, my perception is, which may or may not be true, that they pretty much all tend to be trained, have gone to school for that, mm-hmm. have done, like, apprenticeship. And then I feel like just my perception of it is that in America, sometimes, it not, maybe not the majority, but... 
it seems to be like, oh, you've got a pretty face, or yeah. you... Um, we have a lot of that in our culture, Yeah, sure. like you've just found talent, rather mm-hmm. than it being an actual practiced art. Yeah, we call that the CW. <laughs> That's the, you don't have to have talent as long as you have a beautiful body. Yeah. Which is another reason, again, I find almost most of the compelling things that I watch from the BBC, mm-hmm. in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's not that they don't have very beautiful people. Right. Um, that can act and but do act. they do put people on screen who are not beautiful by certain standards who are great and popular actors. But they put people who can character act yeah. to yeah. tell the story. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, some of them, very beautiful by popular standards. Some mm-hmm. of them, they just fill the role. Like, that, is, that was one of my favorite things about Misfits. Like, mm-hmm. in, in the, in, comparatively, the, you know, heroes, mm-hmm. somehow only beautiful people <laughs> Got powers. Became powerful. But in Misfits, like I said, they're just, I mean, like I said, by traditional right. American Western culture standards, yeah. most of the people on that show were deficient somehow. Right. You know, I felt it was like the everyman or the everywoman. Uh, and it's great when it bleeds over into, that That bleeds over into our culture because, I mean, um, Star Trek. You Star know, Trek. This is the point of the show where I take it over and start talking about my love of Patrick Stewart. Um, <laughs> but, you know, over. you look at the first Star Trek captain, and it was, he was a quintessential American. He was yeah. cocky. He was a cowboy. You know, it was the uh, the final frontier. I mean, it was the cowboy of the final frontier. And Not exactly Kirk. an amazing actor. Not exactly an but amazing a, but actor. But a playboy. No. But, I mean, <laughs> he, 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 created, he created a very unique character. He created, made Kirk his own, and it, it, it's become a cultural icon. And then you have... Uh, a bald uh, Shakespearean British actor come on and playing as, a French as guy. The, as playing a French guy. <laughs> oh, that's right. Playing a French <laughs> guy. Granted, it's like a 24th century French guy. <laughs> you know, but uh, he he's like the exact opposite of that. Oh, and yeah. yet he was much more serious in the role and and just as loved in culture. I mean, even more loved for me. Uh, well, I mean, that's the thing. I your can... love. Overpowers <laughs> the other love of people for Captain Kirk. Right. Well, and that's the thing. I can think of very few like lines or whatever from like the original Kirk. You know, like there's lines that stick with me that I want to yeah. repeat. You know, yeah. there, there, this wasn't because you, you can't repeat. I just made love to a green woman or a yeah. purple woman. You know, <laughs> but you know, engage, make it so there are four lights. Yeah. You know, shut up, Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like they're like everything. Just, it was great because you totally... don't deserve to wear that. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's one of the appealing things about British culture is because you know the, the thing. I, growing up watching Star Trek: The Next Generation, watching Picard was the one thing I realized I loved so much was like some of that material was really kind of corny mm-hmm. and stupid, but he took it seriously, <laughs> exactly as serious as a heart attack, and that's what helped make that show yeah. really popular. I mean, well, I feel like Doctor Who's like that too. Doctor Who's the exact mm-hmm. same way, and that's why that is so popular here now. I think it's yeah. the exact same thing. Trying to explain it to somebody. Okay, so it's a dude who travels around a phone box yeah. through all the space and time for he's some reason. He's an alien. He's got a, he's got he's a screwdriver yeah. with a, a light on the front of it. Yep. It's a sonic <laughs> screwdriver. And somehow he always seems to end up on Earth. He can yeah. go anywhere in space and time. Somehow he ends up in London a, a lot. lot. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> watching it, you typically don't think about that. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, you, you kind of lose yourself on a roll. But it actually reminds me of a conversation we had uh, when we were talking about prepping for the show, and like my one of my least favorite things about Star Trek: The Next Generation, because uh, Patrick Stewart as Jean Luc Picard mm-hmm. was so over 
domineering in that series. Mm -hmm. Like when someone just couldn't live up to him or was supposed to be like his challenger, I just didn't take it seriously. Because when, like, I know Jonathan Franks has gone on to like direct tons of TV series and write Mm -hmm. for TV series, and he even directed some of the uh, Next Generation movies. So he's had a very successful career, but as number one, I can't stand him. (laughs) You know, I just, I I was like, I'd never believe that he could really stand up to Patrick Stewart. Um, so I think they've developed their own. I mean, they, the I think I think after seven seasons they developed a rapport, yeah, which helped. But I mean, what I told Mark was like, imagine if Idris Elba wasn't, <laughs> you know, was there and was he was number yeah, one. Yeah. And, and Idris Elba, uh, for those who don't remember, you know, he this is the guy who was in Thor as Heimdall as Heimdall. Uh, he was in Pacific Rim. He was Pinner Stack, uh, Stacker Pentecost. Pinner Stacker Cost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was the one canceling the apocalypse. Yes, you know he's he was. Luther. He's, he's Luther. Luther. He was in the mm-hmm. Wire. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so this is a dude who can act. Yeah, and and I, is versatile. And is versatile. Yeah. And man, watching them run a starship, I would never mess. The Romulans would have stayed on Romulus <laughs> if they would have known there was a ship out there with Patrick Stewart and Idris Elba. <laughs> This then led us to the conversation. What would Idris Idris Elba? Yeah. What would his like his phrase be? Like make it so or like engage? <laughs> what would his? Oh my gosh! And so I told Laura. I told Laura. I said I'm pretty sure it would be in a tense situation when everything was on the line mm. and they looked to him for an answer. Maybe because you know Jean Luc was captured by the Cardassians or something. Yeah. He would look at them right in the eye and say, we are canceling the Prime Directive. <laughs> and then they would do anything he said. That's right. But that, that whole thing brings me to one of my, like one of the ultimate things, no matter whether it's drama or comedy, just I try to think about great American actors and I find that my list is very short mm-hmm. of... Stop comparing. Well, I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. This is, this is, I feel like we have a choice to be Anglophiles. Right, um, and we choose with our dollar, with our time, with our conversation, and we have chosen to love British stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, given I don't think they've given us a ton of choice because of the quality, but when I look at something like there are very few movies I would go see just because a specific American actor's in it. Like outside of Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. um, which I know you know there are people who don't like Tom Hanks for whatever reason, but like I will go see almost anything Tom Hanks is in. But as far as American actors go. There's very little. However, mm-hmm. on the other hand, <clears throat> oh, I, I may have go. a list. Oh, boy. <laughs> when he you, unrolls and it, it yeah, falls on the floor and unfurls out across the room. <laughs> it does. It's into the next room. I'll have to have you pick up the other side. So it's like, we're talking like British actors. Ben Kingsley, Ian McKellen, Daniel Day-Lewis, Anthony Hopkins, Michael Caine, Benedict Cumberbatch, mm-hmm. Stephen Fry, Kira Knightley, Kate Beckinsale, Hugh Laurie, Damian Lewis, I mean, all these people are all British. I mean, think about it. Damian Lewis. Damian Lewis is in is an American in one of my favorite things of all time, Band of Brothers. Yeah. And so like, the first time I heard him speaking in that British voice, my jaw dropped. I was like... Oh, I felt the way about Hugh Laurie. Exactly. Because I've been watching House, and then I was like, what? And, yeah. and, and think about it. That, that's the beautiful thing about it. Like, Hugh Laurie is a, a comedic actor. Yeah. Like, his, like, Fry and Laurie stuff, mm-hmm. like, it's... It's insanely funny. It's quintessential British comedy. Exactly. Yeah. And to have him come over and be like, oh, there's tons of hospital dramas. Yeah. And he comes over and has the best hospital drama. The best drama. hospital drama, absolutely. Uh-oh. 
Uh-oh. Okay, just for the sake of structure, are we on a new topic now? <laughs> we did British comedy and drama. Are we on, like, British actors? British Another actors. thing on the list. British okay. actors, thing on the list. We are now in British actors. Go. Oh, boy. Well, uh, yeah, I feel that way, too. I mean, there's, there's, there's great American actors, but, I mean, my favorite story about House... Uh, was Brian Singer, the, you know, uh, director of X-Men and Superman Returns and all that stuff. Um, he was the main producer of that show, and he was like, you know, I want some, like, I want some quintessential American, kind of older, smart kind of actor that I can just put in there. I want him just to be, you know, this this guy. So, and, and then he sees the tape of Hugh Laurie, he's like, that! I want that guy. That mm. is an American, I want that guy. And they're like, uh... He's British. <laughs> He's like what? not American. Uh, and so they, you know, they made him. They made him the guy. But uh, yeah, I, I think there's. I mean, there, you know, I, I don't think we're here to, you know, because I'm an, uh, I guess, an Americanophile too. I mean, I like a lot of. <laughs> it's my culture. I like a lot of that stuff too. Um, but you know, I think British culture just has its own thing, and, and that's why you could say you're an Anglophile because it's. It's you really some, appreciate you it. You really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, as much as you appreciate it, so we're not, like, necessarily comparing the two, you know, what I'm saying. <laughs> I may be comparing the two. Well. Well, in terms of actors, um, I think I've, we've talked about this a little bit before, like, feeling like um, acting is maybe treated with a, a level of respect as, like, a skilled profession that you go to school for, um, that's one thing I had on my list, and I included to you about how um, Americans really can't do British accents very well in general that I've seen. But um, <laughs> but like we said, there are a lot of British actors who've done American accents, and we have not known the difference. So that's interesting. I just feel like in general, my concept of like some of my favorite British actors, I just think of them as being very well trained, taking their craft seriously, and being incredibly versatile. Right. I think of Emma Thompson, who's one yeah. of my favorite British actor actresses, um, and then Sir Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. Mm-hmm. And, um, now the new one is is Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's yeah, and he is not young new obsession. I guess some people find him attractive, but I'm just thinking by like normal standards, he's not like he's not like the cookie cutter male. Like yeah, he, standard of beauty. He's a pale, scraggly guy. Yeah. Yeah. But although somebody and, has said his voice sounds like a jaguar hiding in a cello. <laughs> a jaguar hiding in a cello. Yeah. Uh, That's awesome. You know the what that Times also writer really Caitlin British Moran. <laughs> the Times writer Caitlin Moran coined that phrase. <laughs> anyway. Oh man. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, there's. I mean, I could. I could look at. You know, think about all the great. The actors that come over here and do American movies, and they're like super. I mean, think about Anthony Hopkins. I mean, Anthony Hopkins is quintessential British. Sir Anthony Hopkins. Sir Anthony Hopkins. (laughs) They're all Sir or Dame. Like they knight their actors. I mean, come on. (laughs) Well, if you're that good, we we haven't. We've never knighted Denzel Washington. You know, like (laughs) although I do like Denzel Washington. I love Denzel Washington. I love Leonardo DiCaprio. I love Denzel Washington, greatest actor ever. So darn cool. So darn clever. Don't don't I don't. I, don't bring Krispy Kreme in this. Krispy Kreme. I don't. Okay. No. Okay. Yep. Don't. But I mean, I think I think it all goes back to they take everything so seriously, because there, there's a there's a sense of respect and a sense of pride in their culture mm-hmm. that we don't really have. I mean, America is a much much bigger country. We have a, a an extremely I mean huge diversity mm-hmm. of a melting pot here. They do have that in Britain, but we're just a bigger 
co- country. We have a, a, a just a, a bigger culture, I mm-hmm. guess. You know, we just have this kind of like everything's big and loud, and hmm. and I think some of that respect and pride gets lost in that. But British culture has that; it's always had that. You know, because like you look at history and you look at their respect for history, and it's like we knock our buildings down after like fifty years. Hmm. Theirs are still up after five hundred years. You know, they take a lot of pride in things, a lot of respect for older things and older you know, cultures and you know and we're also a much younger country mm-hmm. so i mean I, I think that's what lends itself to this this british entertainment culture that is that we it takes itself so seriously mm-hmm. and that we enjoy it so much it's very smart very very rooted that's really interesting that to me that almost hits the nail on the head with why i think i'm drawn so much to british mm-hmm. culture um I mean, there are reasons why it's specifically British culture, but there, I do have a sense of wishing that, like, you know, I'm an American, I've always lived here, my family are maybe Welsh, like, way, way back, mm-hmm. but, um, and I just kind of sometimes mourn the fact that we, I don't have, like, a traditional dance, or, like, right. you know, I've been to Africa, people would be like, what's the food, what's the American food, and I'm like, pizza? Wait, no. <laughs> I don't know. Hamburger? <laughs> no. Yeah. French fries? Wait. Freedom I don't prize. know. I Freedom just, <laughs> so just that, like what you're saying about like there is some common ground there that mm-hmm. everybody can get on board with and say, that's me, that's my culture, that's my history. And I feel like with Doctor Who, um, there had been like an, a, a debate about making it more American, more accessible. And then people were like, no, this is yeah. a British show. This yeah. is like quintessential British Inspector Space culture. Time. Inspector Space Time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think that's a really good... You described really well one of the reasons why I think maybe I'm drawn to mm-hmm. this culture. Well, I don't want to necessarily cut us short. Right. But we're approaching that time. Yeah. Um, I think we've hit on a lot of great things. Not everything, but I guess I'll go around one more time. Any kind of last thought that you want to leave people with? Yes, no? Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart? Just remember go. Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. I mean, I just love Patrick Stewart. I, I don't know how to... <laughs> Professor X, uh, yeah, Captain I mean, Picard. Yeah, Cap- Captain Picard is like, uh, just, I mean, my, you know, because we, we deal a lot now, especially in American culture, with the anti-hero, mm-hmm. you know, the most popular shows are Breaking Bad, and he's not a guy that you want to, you know, root for, but you mm-hmm. end up doing it, and, you know, we've got House of Cards now, it's really popular, and you got Kevin Spacey as, like, this just murdering, backstabbing politician with a smile on his face, we root for because, you know, he's the main guy. I mean, Patrick Stewart is is one of those. He created one of those characters that you just root for. I mean, Star Trek has that. You know, Star Trek's very American. Star Trek's Gene Roddenberry. Uh, you know, but it 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 gives it like he's a hero. You know, and he does it. He always did it in a way that I respected a lot because he was very serious. He's very Shakespearean. Very, you know, a lot of gravitas. You know, schedules and such yeah. <laughs> uh, instead of schedules. <laughs> uh, so you know, you just kind of you kind of get drawn to that, and you know. You, you, I think you find everybody has an actor or somebody that they follow and, and, and like a lot. And I, There's not a lot of people I'd freak out if I met, but if I met Patrick Stewart, I think I'd freak out. So. <laughs> well, I think that's one of the things, though, because he's such a, like a, Captain Picard's character yeah. um, is such a good, upstanding character mm-hmm. that if he was in Game of Thrones, he would have died at the end of season one. He would have, yeah. So, <laughs> I just imagine uh, Mark like Troy from Community when he meets um, <laughs> Lamar Burton. Burton. <laughs> Sir Patrick Stewart. You can't disappoint a picture. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, that's awesome. Oh man. Um, my final thought. Um, I love Doctor Who, and I think it's a great picture of 
what I love maybe most about um, British television, like you're saying, is taken very, very seriously, but it's incredibly corny, quirky, hilarious, and it's such a great blend. Um, and it's like you were saying, it's a character you can get behind, but it's not like a perfect character. Right. You know, he makes mistakes. He's not always the hero. He's full of flaws. So he's someone you can aspire to, but he's also someone that you can relate to. Yeah. Um, so it's just, there are just so many things that it's done. If you're listening to this, you never watch Doctor Who. Shame on you. Yeah. Uh, uh, no. Go shame, watch it. It's really, shame. it's well, very, very good. And here's a little concept I'm working on. Uh-oh. Doctor Who is a superhero. We're a superhero. Oh, superhero of television. He's, he's well, I mean, if, if Batman's a superhero. Yeah, that's right. True. No specific superpower except being awesome. Yeah. So. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Mr. Doctor Man? <laughs> <laughs> but how'd you get out of the plane and not get blown up by the... I told you already. Because I'm Batman. Because I'm Batman. Uh, so uh, my last thought would be, one, uh, I have not mentioned that I love uh, also Carrie Owens. Elways. Elways. Right. El- he's not Elways because John Elways, John Elways. Well, Kelly, Carrie El- Elways. It is Elways. It is Elways. Elways. Carrie Elways. Yeah. We are gaveled here today. Yeah. So uh, he is. He even though I can't pronounce Elwes. his name, uh, he's great. And I also think ultimately, no matter what entertainment one continent or another puts out. Britain will always win because of the accent. It's all about the accent. Oh, sure. It makes every British actress way hotter and way more interesting. She could read the phone book, and as long as she's doing it in, like, a British accent... Oh, yeah. You know? I assume that's what subliminally attracted me to my wife, knowing that she has a Welsh, like, family history. <laughs> I'm right. like, it's, a, it's the closest that I'll get, and it's more than I could probably ever deserve. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so well, it's, it's, it's the accent. like Helen Mirren. I mean, yeah. like, she's like 70-something. Dame Helen Dame Mirren? Dame Helen Mirren. <laughs> I mean, she's like 70-something, but she's incredibly hot. Yeah. I mean, she just... <laughs> They just take such a good care of themselves. She, she carries herself so well. Yeah, yeah. Well, we hope you, that you have enjoyed uh, our American introduction to Anglophilia. Uh, if you've enjoyed this in any way, uh, continue to listen to the Geek this podcast. Uh, listen to what David and David are doing. Um, there's going to be a bumper at the end of the show that's going to have all their contact information. As for us... Uh, like I said before, my name's Fizz. Uh, I host the Real World Theology podcast. That's R-E-E-L, World Theology. We exist to examine the narratives that are shaping our culture uh, because we believe that entertainment is not mindless. You can find us at realworldtheology.com. You can follow me at Fizzification. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Wingdinger. Mm-hmm. You can follow Laura at Laura underscore Fissel. And you can find both of their writing over at the Real World Theology uh, blog. So if you enjoyed any of that, do that. Follow the show. Follow their writing. It's great. And until we have the privilege of working with David and David again, That's right. uh, have a good time. Uh, <laughs> cheerio! Cheerio! Yes. Cheers! Allons-y. Bye-bye! Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Geek This Podcast with David Clements and David Hunt. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekthispodcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at Geek This Podcast. Leave us a voicemail and give us feedback by calling 765-416-3651 and be sure to subscribe at geekthispodcast.com slash iTunes. For previous episodes, be sure to check out geekthispodcast.com.
Gotta be on time when we talk about the Geek This podcast.